0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs were on Sunday night baseball for hashtag reasons, so I made a bingo card for it home for Cubs, news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Boo, Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue, not Beat Bleed Cubby Boo, although some people might be booing in the stands at Wrigley these days. I'm Sarah <laughs> Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about their base running woes. I, I make bingo cards and more at Bleed Cubby Blue, not Boo, people, and I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going?
1: Boo. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's going okay. I mean, you got the Cubs out there losing baseball games. But because of that, I got to go to a suite on Tuesday night when the Cubs uh, lost. No, they won that game. Yeah, I that was of. the winner. That was the winner. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski made his debut. And I was at a winning Reds game. And then I got to go down to the 1914 club. On Saturday against the Giants, that was the loser. But guess who was the winner? Me. <laughs> because I'm like eating at the carving station. I've got the the roast beef. I've got the top shelf tequila. I'm uh getting yelled at by security because we're making fun of Jock Peterson's hair. I mean, all sorts of uh, excitement for me this week. Not so much for the Cubs, who lost two of three to some well, one bad team. Well, t- two mediocre teams. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, since we last talked, the Cubs have dropped not one, but two series. One to the lowly Cincinnati Reds, who look, the Cubs might uh, wind up worse than the Reds. So who knows? It's it's still a mathematical possibility. Uh, and, and one to the Giants, who uh, a friend of mine noted aspire to mediocrity, <laughs> which I thought was a great, oh. great way to think about the San Francisco Giants.
1: 107 wins last year. To where they are now. Like, talk about falling off a cliff. It's like, what happened? Like, it's
0: Buster Posey, man. Buster Posey and Kevin Gossman.
1: Well, are we about to see this when we when we lose Wilson this year? It's like, I mean, I, we, we're not falling from that high. We're just, we're falling from possibly 69 wins. What is it going to be like next year? Oh, man.
0: Yeah, um, it could be bad. Let's let's talk about these games. We're not going to do our normal, like, play-by-play of the games for a couple of reasons. One, we've got two series to cover. We're going to keep this show under an hour like we do. But also, um, we have a lot of MLB news to cover, which is a really busy week for, for Major League Baseball news. We've got some minor league union updates. We've got rules changes that are coming down the pike. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Pujols being a nice guy, which I don't even know how I feel about that. But, like, we've got a lot to cover. In addition to these Cubs games, and let's be honest, the Cubs games are kind of forgettable. But I do want to say, I I took my parents to the first game of that Red Series. Thank God the Cubs won that one, so my parents could sing Go Cubs Go. A couple of things happened in that game that were pretty cool. Hayden Wisniewski made his MLB debut, and he was lights out, man. He actually looked like he was going to throw five no-hit innings. He did wind up giving a hit. He struck out eight. He looked so good. Against that Reds team. And, and and I know that he came back to earth a little bit on Sunday night baseball against the giants, but not in any way that is concerning to me. He gave up a couple of hard hit balls uh, that went over the wall to the giants, but, but he looks really good, man. He's got strikeout stuff. What a steal by the Cubs to turn Scott Efross, who by all accounts, like might've been a back of the back of the bullpen type of guy, but into what looks like a viable starter. Danny, what did you see from Hayden was from the yeah, Sweets?
1: That was super exciting. To see him come out, I don't really understand like what I'm looking at with the Wiley, Miley Wisneski piggyback games because now that's happened two times, I guess. And I'm like, so that's what we're doing now? I mean, it worked the first time and it didn't work the second time. And, um, but yeah, I mean, this guy, he's gonna have some growing pains. He's brand new, he doesn't know the league they're going to get tape on him and they're going to know what he's going to do. Cause they probably expected. They're like, Oh, they're probably throws Wisneski out there. Cause Miley's only going to go four, and they'll probably do the same thing. So they all looked at the Wisneski tape and this time they hit it over the wall. Either that, or he was making mistakes or it's sophomore jinx or like just the growing pains are going to be there for a while, at least, you know, a year or two, but it looks like the real deal. It definitely passes the eyeball test. Um, He was good in the minors. He was a legitimate prospect starting pitcher. I think we should be excited about it until further notice. (laughs) But I was excited to see. And he was so, like, excited to be out there. A lot of energy on the mound. He's doing the strut. He's dancing around. Like, that's, you know, that's fun to see for fans, too. It's like, this is entertainment. And I was entertained.
0: he was channeling his inner Max Scherzer there, like kind of doing the walk off the mound and stomp around with the strikeout thing. It was it was pretty great. He had family uh, in the crowd, and and it was it was really quite fun. So we were sitting in two seventeen, and that's right above the area behind home plate where the families usually sit. You can tell when families are there because like all of a sudden you see a bunch of TJ Friedel jerseys, or you got a bunch of Jake Freely jerseys. There were some <laughs> Wisneski jerseys in the crowd, and his family does not apparently know that we we say. Let's go Cubbies, and so they kept trying to lead the crowd in "Let's go Cubs!" Cheers, and I wanted to be like, "Oh no, it's it's Cubbies!" And Wait, were,
1: they, were they turning Cubs into two syllables?
0: Yeah, so they were doing "Let's uh, go uh, Cubs" instead of "Let's go Cubbies," see, and I was is, like, "Ah, oh, man!" <laughs>
1: there is a "Let's go Cubs" chant. All you do is go "Let's go Cubs." Let <laughs> I mean, like, you didn't have to two
0: syllable syllableify Cubs.
1: It was like, who pretty does cute. It? Oh, man, they've got a thing or two to learn.
0: I am also, I'm also proud to report that my mother has been reconverted back into a Chicago Cubs fan, courtesy of Christopher Morrell. So for those of you who are paying attention to my mom's uh, legacy of a fan at home, she she got real mad when the Cubs traded Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo, who were her favorites. And she's been kind of sour on the Cubs for a year, but she came to her first game at Wrigley Field. Her and my dad, shout out to Mai Tai Guy, who came over and brought my parents old style and a ball and just made sure they had the best time. My tie is like the mayor of Wrigley field and it was so kind of him to make that trip over. But so I, I told my mom about how Christopher Morrell introduces himself to the umpire and to the catcher and like does a hat tip to the pitcher and it's her new favorite thing. So last night for Sunday night baseball, before the game, she said, I think I'm just going to watch to make sure that my guy says hi to everybody, like he's supposed to. So Christopher <laughs> Morrell is my mom's new guy and I love it.
1: Yeah. He's my new guy too. And you know, I love that kind of uh, attitude out of people, you know, I I've, I've done the same thing throughout my life is just always said hello to everybody who's in the room, that's strangers. And I think it makes an impression on people. I know that it's made an impression on the league because they're talking about it. And so, you know, we more nice guys, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's got a big smile, a big personality. Like you kind of see the makings. I mean, everybody's so high on Nico Horner. He pretty much has the same, I mean, like, they're like, he's going to be an all-star. Well, he pretty much has the same OPS as Christopher Morel right now, who has been playing all around the field. A few more at bats, of course. But, like, you know, it's – um, it, this could be the start of something new. The difference between Nico is he's a first-round pick. And Christopher morell came out of nowhere and played his way out of the team. So he's doing everything he can do to stay, including being the nicest person in baseball, <laughs> which, hey, if it's between you And the jerk, guess who's getting the job?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want a guy like Christopher Morell on their squad, smiling at everybody, cheering for everybody? He's always got a big grin in the dugout. Anytime anything good happens, Christopher morell is right in it. Like, yeah, yeah, good job on the home run. Good job on the hit. He's just all smiles at all points in time. And I'm here for it. And he won over my mom, which made me really happy. Uh, my parents were both very charmed by Wrigley Field. They don't really do charm. They're kind of like, you know, they're hardworking folk from, from rural Utah, and they, they, they don't do a lot of like folksy charm stuff but long about the sixth inning my dad was planning future family getaways to Wrigley's like you know your brother would really like this we've got to get him and his girlfriend out here so that they can see a game from right here and uh they they had a pretty good time so so shout out to all the bleacher bums who said hi to my parents and who brought them old style and brought them a ball and made sure that they just had the best time we had a great time at Wrigley Field even though the Cubs only won one out of three games like they do
1: yeah. Well, exactly. And that, I think you're, you just kind of illustrated the, the issues right now with, you know, Ricketts comes out and I don't know if you want to talk about this. No, let's later do it. Let's light, yeah. let's
0: light Ricketts on fire.
1: Okay. But like, you know, he's out there being, well, the empty stands don't bother me, which by the way, they're not that empty. So there's been a few games since the kids went back to school and there was weather last night and I've gotten into clubs for free, so like, yeah, the, there's not a lot of demand, uh, but it's not by any means empty. Um, it, I mean, Sox Park's more empty, and they're actually in the fight. The thing about it is, though, if you have this charming building that everybody wants to come to, and it's a destination you don't necessarily have to put the greatest team on the field. You can just kind of put a bunch of fun guys like Fran Mil Reyes singing Whitney Houston songs. And, uh, you know, smiley Christopher Morrell saying hello to everybody with, you know, you got a seven fifty OPS and you hit the ball. Okay. And you know, that should be good enough to at least ex- extend everybody's interest a little bit longer to pay for the $15 beers and things like that. So like, you I I'm all for having fun guys on the team that are going to entertain us, but is it going to be at the expense of some real like balls to the wall guys who can, I don't know, hit 40 home runs. Like there's nobody on this team that's even close to that right now. Um, even, yeah, that's true. Rams, you know, so I'm just kind of looking at it and I'm like, Like, yeah, everybody's having a great time. And like, and I don't mean to like rain on every parade here, but I will a little bit. Just, you know, it's like, yeah, it's still fun at Wrigley. Like, do you think the Pirates fans are being like, it's still fun at PNC? (laughs) Like, they're not. They're not going. They just don't involve themselves. They're like, the Steelers are on now. Now the Pirates can draw 3,000 people. At which point their owner says, well, we can't spend any money. We're only drawing 3,000. And I'm just like, can't wait till Ricketts said something like that. At least he didn't say that. He so, said that the empty stands doesn't aren't going to make me sp- spend to get people to come.
0: I want to talk about one specific thing with this whole Ricketts thing. Because I'm just not going to let this one go how jed hoyer like yada yada a rebuild and now they acknowledge that it's a rebuild and that it's a multi-year rebuild and the second one in two decades at that or in a decade at that but like we're we like we are all just supposed to ex- accept the gaslit version of history here where for like Two and a half years, we were all like, hey, if you're trading you, Darvish, that's a rebuild. If you're trading Victor Caratini, that's a rebuild. If you're trading Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javier Baez, that's a rebuild. If you only sign guys for one-year contracts, you can flip them at the trade deadline when you're sellers, that's a rebuild. And we were told repeatedly... By this front office, not a rebuild, not a rebuild. It's a reset. It's a retool. It's not a rebuild. We're not rebuilding. This isn't a rebuild. And all of a sudden here comes Ricketts with like, yeah, it's a very success. This is how you have to do it. You can't buy a championship in baseball. It's just going to take some time. It's like, get bent, buddy. Like I was here when, when we originally called it a rebuild, when y'all traded you Darvish for a bunch of magic beans. And some of those magic beans are kind of intriguing. I like Owen KC too, but let's not pretend that any of those prospects were more than like 17 to 19 year old lottery tickets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a total salary dump after the biblical losses. So, you know, at some point, they're also talking out of both sides of the mouth. Oh, there's plenty of money to spend, but we have biblical losses, but we will not spend just because, you know, because you can't buy a, uh, you can't buy a championship. Well, guess what? you can certainly buy close to a championship. You can certainly buy a chance at a championship, because if you look at the top five payrolls in the major leagues, and I I was going to bring this up on the Sun Ranto show tonight, but uh, you know, going through uh, kind of some of these numbers, but if you look at the top five payrolls, they're all in the playoffs. Every single freaking one of them are in the playoffs. You look at last year, same thing. There's only like one team and I forget what I'm looking at. My, my notes here. Um, uh yeah, all top 5 teams are in the payroll uh, in payroll are playoff teams. Only two teams in the bottom half of the major leagues are playoff teams right now. That's Seattle and Cleveland. Um in 2021, only the Phillies out of the top 6 teams uh, in payroll were not in the playoffs. So, you know, you might not be able to buy a championship but you can certainly buy your way pretty darn close to one because those teams are in the playoffs. And guess where the Cubs aren't? The playoffs. So I don't know. that That's not true. Like there's just – that that's a simple lie. I, I know you can't buy the championship. That might be true. But none, none of these teams are buying – I mean, how many times did the Dodgers try to buy a championship? How many times did the, the Yankees try to buy a championship? A lot of times. And guess how many championships they've won? Well, the Yankees, a lot. The Dodgers, not so many, but they certainly were in the freaking world series into the playoffs every year. And right now we're looking at what if you don't count 2020, which I don't, which by the way, neither does spot rack count 2020. They didn't even show the payrolls for that. They're like, well, it's a fake season. And it was because the payrolls aren't what they are uh, because of the 60 games, but you're you're going back to 2018 where the last time you got in was a freaking wild card. That's a yeah. long time. It's going to be, it's going to be five years. If they don't make it next year, that will be five years,
0: five years. Gee, hmm, what do, I, I seem to recall saying that the U trade was a fire sale. And that it signaled the Cubs would be competitive in like 2024 or maybe 2025. I mean, I just, again, I'm not trying, like, this is not an I told you so moment so much as I am angry that we are being gaslit by a front office that would not call it a rebuild as they just wasted a year and a half of a World Series champion core that, look, did they underperform? Sure. Like, should they could they have traded some of them earlier and gotten better returns? I don't know, maybe. But like, don't pretend you put it all on the field. For 2021, or you did not. Like, I, I watched you not do it. I watched you let an ace walk and let your backup catcher walk. The Cubs played eight or nine. I cannot remember. It was a franchise record, guys, a backup catcher last year. The dude who got the most run at backup catcher last year was Robinson Torinos. I'm pretty sure he was like 37 when he did it. Like, it is... Out of control nonsense for Ricketts to now be like, oh, yeah, it's a success. And we just have we just have to be patient. We just have to be patient with the rebuild that literally your front office would not even acknowledge existed for two years. And I'm over being lied to by billionaires.
1: Well, and it's frustrating, especially from this standpoint, if you are a season ticket holder and you're now giving your ticket away to me for the (laughs) 1914 club because nobody wants it because nobody cares to go. You know, the it's probably I would say that the carving station and the free liquor are probably more entertaining than the Cubs in some respects. If you're giving me that ticket, I can get this thing for free just because I live close and know people, you know, and this has been really since the middle of August that it's been like this. There's this free tickets everywhere. People have spent a lot of money. Like, your bleacher seat, 81 games, is over $4,000 for one seat. Most people buy two seats. Like $8,000 to do what? Like, this ticket the other day, last night when it was raining, at Sunday Night Baseball, which they only made moved it to Sunday night because everybody's watching football anyway. Like, ah, oh, nobody cares about the Cubs Giants. Let's just move it to Sunday night. Um, You know, that – was probably that bleacher seat there? I would guess is a fifty dollars face value bleacher seat. They were going for six. Oh the yeah, t- tickets are worth ten percent. So unless you have got completely like pee it away money, you know this is a, an affront to every season ticket holder that they're that they're telling the new ones. Oh, it's an honor to be a season ticket holder. You've spent how many years on the list and now you get tickets. Okay. So you feel like you've got to, and like they're at the end of their suckers list. And then other people, like, they're just kind of like, eh, I don't care. It's a sunk cost. I just pay it. and You know, and that's people who don't care about their money. But a guy like me, I'm like, eh, I'm only going to pay six bucks or I'm going to go for free. Or like they're taking it on the chin.
0: Those $6 yeah. tickets are everywhere, by the way. Like, I was getting, I, I was seeing $6 tickets in the low 200s for these games against the Giants and against the Reds. And, like to put this in perspective, those are $80 seats. Those yeah, are $80. like yeah. $55 to $80 seats, depending on the tier of game that they're supposed to be, yada, yada, whatever. But if you're selling that ticket for the bare minimum, which is six, that's the lowest you can go on StubHub at Wrigley Field for $6. The 300s are also $6. The 400s are also $6. Like, you cannot make money on those tickets. It used to be that if you had a season ticket package, you could sell some of those for an upgrade, like the Cardinals games. You might get some more money. You might get some more money when the White Sox played the Cubs, whatever. Like, at this point, you're just hoping that you don't lose more than half of what you paid, right? right. You are either using the tickets yourself, like a lot of our friends who are bleacher season ticket holders do. Or you are just hoping you don't take a total bath on these tickets.
1: But they're just wasting their money and they're putting it in, putting it in Ricketts' pocket. Who just told us he's not going to spend it? And but they got the other side of their mouth being like, "Oh, it's all going to roll over." Remember, Crane Kenny? Oh, you know the sixty million we didn't spend this year. Well, it's going to be in there next year. So that yeah, means right. I don't know. But two years we're going to have a five hundred million dollar payroll, according to Craig Kenny, according to Ricketts. There's absolutely no way that's going to that's going to happen. And here's the thing. You if you spend money, you are going to have a better chance at getting into the playoffs. And if you don't spend money, you will probably not go to the playoffs. And that's how it's going to be. And so I don't foresee. I mean, we had a conversation and I don't want to totally backtrack because people that maybe listen to our last show might remember when we were like, hey, you know, there's a lot of hope in some of these young guys in, in a few, of I feel these.
0: better than I did in September of 2014. Let me put it that way.
1: Right. Which, but that was at the end of a three year, hundred loss, multiple times situation. That was at the end of that. And then they came out and then they signed John Lester. And, but are they going to do that next year? No. Ricket says, I'm not going to sign anybody. Like it's not time yet. These guys, and this is exactly what the Pirates do. They're like, well, you know, until we get ourselves a nice, young, cheap core, there's no sense in building around with some talented veterans and some proven talent. So they don't do it. And then they're like, well, the audience isn't showing up. Our receipts are down at the door, so now we can't spend again. You know, like there's always some excuse why not to spend. And we're giving them the excuse not to spend, which is we'll just keep giving you money anyway. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because if the season, unless there's a mass cancellation of season ticket holders, then I don't, I don't see it changing.
0: I mean, the thing about this that is so frustrating is that the NL central is an eminently winnable division. Cardinals are out here trotting out Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright. Like, every single day. And look, Wainwright's been great. And I don't know what's gotten into Pujols and Pujols did a nice thing, which we'll talk about (laughs) before the break. So we'll give Pujols some credit, but like that is not a serious baseball club. It is not a serious baseball club to be trotting out a bunch of 40 year olds thinking that that's going to get you to the world series. Like this is going to get the Cardinals to the playoffs where they are going to be roundly and soundly dismissed by the Dodgers or Mets teams that spent Lots and lots of money, maybe Atlanta, like there are super teams and there are not super teams and there are no super teams in the NL central. Like the Cardinals are not a super team. The the Brewers are not a super team. Like all the Cubs need to do to be competitive in this division is to spend at, at up to the luxury tax level. That's it. Spend the extra $120 million that you are sitting on, that you're using as as an excuse to not pay Wilson Contreras, to not pay for starting pitching. Why weren't they in on a Kevin Gossman? Why weren't they in on Carlos Rodon? Like, Carlos Rodon looked great. Danny, Carlos Rodon struck out the back end of the Cubs lineup through three innings. And I'm not even joking. Like, I was looking at my scorecard. I tweeted this out. The entire, like, The five through nine hitters were all Ks until Rodone left the game. Every single one of them struck out swinging or looking through every single at bat through three innings. It was pathetic.
1: Yeah, that was that first game against the Giants and he struck out 11. Um, And that's the thing about a guy who strikes out a lot of guys is he throws a lot of pitches. So through 5.1, he was already at 96. They removed him from the game. But yeah, and now he's got to opt out. So somebody's got to give him a better contract than what he got. Cause he's having a great year, but why, why didn't the Cubs give him that contract? Well, because he, they were risk averse because of the injury history. And I kind of get that, you know, that is the one knock on taking him. Um, so, but instead the giants took the, you know, took the chance and now uh, if they can convince him to stay and he doesn't opt out, They've got themselves a pretty sweet pitcher for next year. Um, and the Cubs don't have that person. So, uh, and here's another thing, speaking of Rodon, because who we did get was Drew Smiley. And what is going on with this like mutual $1 million buyout option that now Gordon Wittenmeyer is reporting is a real option? I. Of 10 million bucks. Like. It was reported totally differently at first, so we're all moving with this kind of like, well, he's pitching for his next contract, but apparently that next contract could be $10 bucks with the Cubs?
0: I am really quite confused by this one because I had it reported the exact same way that everybody else did in terms of that it's a mutual option. I'm looking at SpotRack right now, and it says 2023 mutual option with a $1 million buyout. I don't know what Gordon's reporting there. Like, it was, I don't think it's a team option unless there's something funky in the in the fine print
1: details, about yeah. like
0: how many innings he has to throw or something like that for it to vest. Like there are there are sometimes player options that only vest in certain circumstances and Smiley didn't have a lot of innings this year. So I suppose that could be the thing. But I would like more reporting on this because I don't have access to Smiley's contract and I don't have anything in the original reporting that indicates that's a team option I have everything indicating it's a mutual option
1: yeah well and if that's the case I, I mean then you take it the 10 million dollar option if they don't that's foolish because he's picked he's pitching amazingly right now I mean he gets 17 he out dueled Rodon who looked great um it, he he had um only eight strikeouts to Rodan's 11. But uh, only one earned run. He's a professional veteran pitcher who knows how to like, get out of situations, has a lot of composure on the mound. He throws with his left hand, which is always valuable. And um, anyway, I'd like to see him back if that's the case. The other guy that pitched, um, well, in two of these games that we are talking about, uh, it's the the Miley-Wesneski uh, 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 the platoon there is, uh, I guess, Miley is also – pitching for his next contract he's got more injury history this year anyway I don't know what has he played in five six games only six seven um I don't know if he's like somebody they're looking at as an option for next year or that this is just like hey we were hoping you'd eat innings but um I mean because if you look at the starting pitchers that you could get there's not I mean, here's the thing. It's
0: not a good list. It's not, it's not an inspiring list. Yeah, exactly. And, and the
1: catcher is even worse. So like, if you don't get Wilson back and you know, you need some top of the line starting pitching, I think what Ricketts just in that interview kind of said to us is that, Hey, um, we're going to wait and see if any of these dudes that we traded for, um, start coming through the pike. Like when, once we get like, you know, I guess DJ hurts up. I mean, I don't know how long they're going to make us wait for this. I mean, Killian needs to emerge. Um, I guess Thompson and steel take another step forward. Like those gotta, those guys have to be like, basically what like, you one through three. He wants a all homegrown rotation, I guess, of, of superstars. And I'm like, okay, well, how long are we waiting for that? You know, because John Lester, when he joined the team was freaking 30. So, right. so Jake Ariana was in his late twenties, you know, when he started throwing no hitters. So like, you know, is it Thompson like 23 or something? 24. He might be a little older. I don't know. Uh,
0: I don't have, I don't have that age in front of me. I will look it up I'll in a look, second, but, be, but before, before we look up Justin <laughs> Steele and Keegan Thompson and, and 27, you know- You know, Hayden Wisneski is 24. Like the the Cubs have some options here that are pretty interesting. Stroman, I think is 30. Like they, they have some options. They need an ace. They, they desperately need an ace. Um,
1: And a bullpen.
0: And a bullpen. And a
1: catcher. And a first baseman.
0: I heard there's an excellent (laughs) catcher who is already with the Chicago Cubs, who frankly could also play first base and probably would be better at it than most of the league. Um,
1: Well, maybe we could trade one of our 83 second basemen for him.
0: I think we... Nick Madrigal and Zach McKinstry Zach should not McKinstry. be playing anywhere other than second base, and yet it, here comes David Ross every day with a lineup where he's like, "Let me see if there's a way to get Zach McKinstry, Nick Madrigal, and David Bodie all in the same lineup." Oh, and it's fine. like, "Why? Why are you doing this to me?" Like, I can't it anymore. Well, the Cubs are, well, the Cubs are trying to get as many guys with an OPS hovering right around 500 in the lineup as possible. Albert Pujols is slugging is well over 500 and has been for a while now. And, and Danny, before we go to a quick commercial break. I just need to get your take. So, Albert Pujols slugged his 697th home run. And I love the fact that this means he has passed Alex Rodriguez on the all time list. Tears for A Rod. Uh, I also, I can't believe I'm about to give Pujols a shout out here, but I have to. Apparently, the couple who caught this home run in Pittsburgh tried to give it back to him. And he not only told them to keep the ball because it would mean more to them, he signed two more balls for them. So, they have three signed Pujols balls, including his 697th home run. And frankly, I can't even criticize this. That's such a nice thing. The only bad thing that came of this is that it happened during a Cardinals win.
1: Yeah, no, the Cardinals triumph, triumphant March towards the postseason is really frustrating to watch. But um, yeah, I mean, Albert pools, I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, (laughs) he had a 931 OPS in the second half
0: here. So, yeah, you know, fire, to you, I guess,
1: you know, just really lit a fire under him. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, and the thing is, like, are we ever going to get a guy that, like, is like a Pooh Holes for us? Like, are, I mean, is like Rizzo going to be ch- chasing something down the line and comes back to the Cubs? Like, we're, I just don't ever see fun things like this ever happening for Cub fans. So it makes me more sour about it. Because we never get good things, um,
0: we, we will, Danny, someday in 2027, when all of the young children are, are finally up and playing baseball, and Brennan Davis is about to be a free agent. The, the Cubs, the Cubs will be good again, just in time to sell off their next great Cubs team. Uh, we have <laughs> we have a lot more to talk about Another on the flip Reno. side. Stick with us. Uh, We're going to talk about the minor league baseball union. We're going to talk about the rules changes that are coming to MLB. We're going to preview a series where hopefully the Cubs can rain on the Mets parade a little bit, but first we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. And we are back. Okay. The biggest news in baseball is not rules changes. It is the minor league baseball union. And Danny, I was stunned when Rob Manfred did a decidedly non evil thing and basically said that they acknowledge the card check that got sent into the NLRB. They will recognize the minor league baseball union and recognize that it has more than majority support to be formed. Uh, lots of good reporting on what this will entail. The, the minor leagues, are they're an amorphous, amorphous crew, right? Like you've got everything from rookie ball all the way up to AAA that will be represented by this union. Pretty much everybody who's not already on the 40 man and it excludes for the moment the Dominican Summer League, which is something that they're going to talk about in terms of how they can um, maybe work the Dominican Summer League into some form of repre- representation in the future, but it is not part of the union for now. This will go to an official card check election just to confirm the numbers. But, you know, I saw um, it was either Maury Brown or Eugene Friedman. I apologize. I don't remember which of those brilliant gentlemen tweeted this one. They're both super smart. You should follow them for all things labor and business and baseball, but um, One of them mentioned that this, the MLB recognizing the union without a fight tells you everything you need to know about how much they care about their antitrust exemption because they did not want a fight at the NLRB or in Congress about recognizing this union that had majority support. And they knew that if they tried to take that fight to the minor leaguers, the likely retaliatory move from the senators who have already called MLB before the judiciary committee to talk about their unfair labor practices would be to smack down the antitrust exemption. So, wow. I mean, I am just, I knew the MLB, that MLB cared about the antitrust exemption. I did not know they cared about the antitrust exemption. Just let the minor leaguers have a union without a fight much. Like that is wild to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I totally, that was my first thought. I'm like, well, they accepted that really fast. And I was like, well, there's gotta be a reason that they don't just roll over. We all saw how the, the, uh, they all were uh, negotiating during the CBA deal and the 60 game season deal. And just, it's never easy, but yeah, it's gotta be the, the antitrust either that, or they're going to be like, okay, this is our first, uh, this is, uh, this is how we get rid of the draft. This is how we get rid of 50 more minor league teams. This is also, I mean, you know, I just don't trust them at all still. And especially that they said yes so fast. I really don't trust that. So we wait and see, but it's good. Like if those, if those players, a lot of them coming from overseas, easily exploitable, um, especially like I'm interested in the fact that the Dominican league may be included in this in the, in the, in the um, future, because Christopher Morel opened a lot of eyes in that Dominican league this year playing for the Aguilas. And so it there was just a, it's a lot of, um, it's, it's almost like a a winter training. It's still like they're watching it. The MLB is watching this. There's a lot of great players that hold on. Uh, John Baker, the, he played in the Dominican uh, winter league for the Toros, uh, down there. a lot of players, Anthony Rizzo played down there for the Toros. Like there's a lot of young guys that go down there. So they're just down the Dominican with no representation. And that, just doesn't seem right when you are quote unquote a drafted property of a certain team at that time but yet you're just going and playing it's like barnstorming is kind of what it feels like it doesn't feel right so yeah so bring it all under an umbrella i'm for it it's like remember the isn't the original idea of unions that it's it's a a worldwide union well workers of the world unite, I believe.
0: I mean the-, the, the yeah, the aspirational goal is that you would have global solidarity across across um industries. I, I think that most unions have not accomplished the global solidarity uh component of that. The way unionization works in Europe, for example, is very different than the way unionization works in the United States. Wages we are, are different across different places. I honestly there's a whole bunch of really fascinating things. In particular, about German unions that I won't go into right now because I would just bore the hell out of our baseball audience. But trust me, like there's some fascinating comparisons between your the way unionization works in different places. The thing that really jumps out to me here, and that I just cannot stress enough, and I'm look, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure the devil's in the detail, and as they negotiate some of these things, who knows what they are going to do in terms of. Trying to cut back or, or or curtail the power that minor leaguers have, or 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 you know every time the minor leaguers get a concession, something else will come up that MLB wants or what whatnot. But I I do think it is tremendously important that minor league baseball players are going to be able to collectively bargain about their wages and their housing conditions and yeah. what their working conditions look like. The way that minor league baseball players have just sort of been told, hey, you have to scrap out an existence on less than minimum wage for a decade, and maybe you might have a chance and a hope at the dream that you had, is frankly disgusting. And, and it's disgusting because billionaires could, could drop such a tiny, tiny amount of their profits into making it better. And and I hope that we don't see a big MILB contraction. I think that if there were a contraction in as retaliation for the minor leagues unionizing, you would actually see, uh, you would have a case to take to the NLRB about unfair labor practices, right? Like you don't get to eliminate 30% of jobs just because workers unionize. That's not how any of this works. And all these billionaires can afford it, man. They can afford to drop 1.5, $2 million more into the minor league system to make sure that the players of the future have sustainable wages and good housing conditions. And I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes sense that they would want to because they're athletes and you need them to perform with their bodies. So maybe making them sleep on couches or on like, you know, roll away mattresses. Isn't like the best way to get (laughs) good uh, performances out of your players. Call me crazy, but um, it seems like it, it might actually be a market inefficiency that can be exploited. Like I went down to the Dominican and I saw some of the training academies that they have down there. And the Cubs had been called out a little over a decade ago, for the absolutely squalid conditions that they provided for their players down there. Whereas the Yankees had built a place that looked like a resort. Well, the Cubs now have one that looks like a resort. It's very nice. I went all around there someday, maybe in the offseason, I'll tell the story of that, that time I went out there with a guy named Coco Loco, who I met on the beach, <laughs> wild story, great times, but um, we had to lie and cheat our way and sneak our way. All through there, thanks to Coca Loco, but it's beautiful what they have down there. But not every team has that. So, the more you, the more you uh, amenities and the more you're known for being just a great employer, the best talent's going to want to go there. And I think we've kind of seen that happen.
0: Yeah, I think we have. And, and it's going to be interesting. You know, one of the things that we also need to talk about before we get to previewing this Cubs-Mets series is what type of game that talent is going to be playing. There's been a lot of experimentation going on in the minor leagues, in the Dominican Summer Leagues, about new rules, new rules changes. And and because, like, I will shortcut the history on this one. The, there's a rules committee now where players and umpire and MLB all have seats at the table and then they take a vote on whether these changes happen. It is a step forward from the way MLB has done things in the past, where they just said, hey, there are new rules, uh, and they just did it by fiat. That said, that committee is currently made up of, it, it's basically like six MLB front office people, four players and one umpire. <laughs> so MLB always has the majority vote, as long as they stick together. And, and these were not unanimous votes, but these rule changes are coming to an MLB field near you for the 2023 season. And Danny, let's hash out what we think about them. There will be a pitch clock, That pitch clock will be 20 seconds when there are runners on and 15 seconds when there are not runners on, I believe. And I think that the batter has to be, quote unquote, ready and alert for the pitch within eight seconds or else it's an automatic strike. There will be larger bases. These are supposed to incentivize more steals. They're also supposed to be a safety issue so that there's more space for the a player to stand on the bag and the runner to grab the bag without them crowding each other out. Although they do that on purpose to keep each other off the bag. So I don't really know that it's going to have the safety, um, the safety features that people think it is. I think it's much more about steals and they are going to ban the shift. They're going to force, I think it's going to look like that pie slice rule that Jason Stark had a really good piece on over at the athletic where basically it's not just that you have to have two guys on either side, Of second base, because frankly, people would just cheat to get as close to second base as possible. There's basically going to be like lines that you have to be within certain zones uh, far enough away from second and starting on the dirt rather than starting on the grass. All of these things are supposed to incentivize more offense in the game. They're supposed to speed up the game. Some people who watch minor league baseball swear that like 27 minutes have been saved on the average game time at AAA or something like that. So I guess it's speeding up the game. I'm sure a pitcher like Wade Miley who works really fast is just like, whatever, bring it. Like I I, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life, but Danny, what do we think about these rules changes? And how do you feel about them?
1: I mean, I'd like to see him in practice. The pitch clock doesn't bother me that much. The only thing that bothers me about it is that the penalty is pretty high. Could be a ball or a strike. I think that that's a pretty high penalty to pay because that can change the entire makeup of an at bat. I mean, but right now, bad calls, make you know an extra ball or a strike where it shouldn't be too so i mean we already see unnecessary balls and strikes called so um everybody that knows about it's been watching it in the minor league seems to really like it um i never felt like the games are too long so i'm the wrong person to ask about this the bases that's just stupid that's just a dumb that's just dumb Like that is, that is a seeking a problem where one did not exist. That is not going to help with injuries. That's that's ridiculous. It's, but you're right. It is going to be more stolen bases. There's going to be more runners safe at first. There's going to be, you know, more runners safe at all the bases. And if that's what they want, well, then that does the opposite. It creates more offense, which actually makes the game go longer. The pitcher has got to pitch to more people like, you know, so it's the opposite. Now it's more action, which I know it's pace of play not the actual time of the game, but you know, whatever. And then the one weird one, I don't think you really brought up too much is the pickoff thing, which I think is interesting that you only get two throws over and then you, you can throw over again, but you've got to get them. Otherwise they get second. That seems ridiculous. Cause like, you know how they used to lead off on John Lester sometimes, and then finally figured out how to throw first that one time. And it worked out. Okay. Um, you know, that that's, we're going to see that a lot, you know, uh,
0: guys are going to be taking leads that are like halfway to second. It's going to be t- out time. of control. Rafael Ortega is going to be doing so much jujitsu on the basis. He's he, he pro- might not even get thrown out. Like he's just going to be out there like dancing around doing all of his stuff. Maybe we can stop some of this toot plannery. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, with the bigger bases, you don't have to go back as far to get to it. I mean, it's always a game of a, a couple of inches right there. And, you know, a lot of bang-bang plays. A lot, you know, all those are going to go to the runner. All of those go to the offense now. All now, the bang-bangs. I think all that's off – offense.
0: That's the big takeaway. Everything is being slanted back to the offense here. This is lowering the mounds for all intents and purposes. I mean, my brother texted me, and, you know, he doesn't follow these rules changes like quite as – quite as closely as I do. And so he, he texts me. He's like, can you believe they're doing bigger bases? That's going to change the space of, between the base paths. And there's just going to be so many steals. now." I'm like, that's literally the point. Like that is yeah. the whole, you have just, you have just explained exactly what they're trying to do, but he was horrified. Cause he thinks it's supposed to be 90 feet between bags, you know? And like, that's the, that's the whole, like, geometric simplicity of baseball they want more offense they want more steals they want more singles they want more hits they don't care how they get them this is how they're going to try to get them and you know I look it hits have been hard to come by the last couple of years so I'm here for it I'm here for at least seeing what happens but I agree with you that pickoff rule is the true devil in the details in terms of how this is going to play out
1: well, and then the shift on top of it, I mean, they just put a lot, it's, I mean, they just really put the wind at the back of the, uh, backs of the offenses all around because the, the shift, I mean, so now you're rewarding people who can only pull. So uh, the guys that use all the fields, you're Nico Horners of the world who can just kind of like smack it here, smack it there. Um, they 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 go with the pitches. That's not, now that's not as important. You know, you just, just go in there and now you're getting back to the three true outcomes. Might as well swing out of your shoes and try to pull it all you can because they can't shift on you now. And you got to be in the infield. So if you can hit it as hard as you can, even if you do hit it at the second baseman, you know, he's close and team to team. That's just like the outfield dimensions. The infield dimensions are different in different ballparks. So are they going to change that now and have everybody have to have a uniform infield? Cause they can kind of cut the grass how they want. That's always been a tradition in baseball that there can be slightly different changes within reason from park to park. And so, you know, our team's going to cheat and you know, Oh, well, we'll just put our grass a little bit forward. And there's going to be only like four feet of dirt. that's your (laughs) infields
0: gonna be wild gonna be wild um you know one of the things that you mentioned that I think is kind of interesting there is is you mentioned that it privileges poolside hitters because they can just feel better about pulling the ball and and those dropping for hits poolside power has actually been one of the best indicators for dudes who are still hitting home runs that were not impacted by the ball It, it you just get more power going to the poolside and so a lot of guys. Who have hit the who hit the ball to all fields have seen less power this year because a lot of those Oppo shots that used to go out that we liked watching Javi Bias hit, those don't go out anymore with the ball being just a little bit deadened, right? Um, so you could possibly get more home runs out of this as, as a weird side effect because if guys are able to cheat to the pool side more and they think they'll be rewarded for it, they may be rewarded with additional home runs.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what people like, right? Dingers. <laughs> Let's put up the, the biggest Bring me the dingers. Bring me the
0: dingers. <laughs> Bring me the stolen bases. Let's see what happens. The Cubs have just enough dingers and stolen bases right now to be projected for 68 wins. They are one shy of a really nice season there. They're gonna try to get that back on track against the New York Mets, who are one of baseball's elite teams that spends money and, you know, does all the things that we wish the Cubs would do. Uh probable pitching matchups. Danny, this this series will kick off tonight. It is Monday night. Uh, at City Field, Javier Assad will take the mound for the third time. He's been great so far. I didn't even know there was a Javier Assad in the system, and he's been outstanding. He'll face off against Chris Bassett. Adrian Sampson will face off against Jacob DeGrom. Godspeed, Adrian Sampson. You will need everything that you've got for this game. And then Drew Smiley will face off against our old pal TBD. Uh, what do you see in these pitching matchups?
1: I mean, Assad, you know, has been out there, what, three times now? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 293 earned run average so far in those three games. Yeah, you'll take it. I mean, uh, Chris Bassett, I mean, he's been pretty good. The Mets pitching is good. He's he, Last time he went out there, he had uh, seven innings of one run uh, ball against Pittsburgh and had seven sh- or ten strikeouts. Um, Assad wasn't quite as good against the Reds last time and the Mets have never seen him. So maybe that's an advantage to us, but just because they don't know him, um, we don't really have much uh, uh, experience against Bassett either. Um, Z- Zach McKinstry, who was a Homer shy of the cycle the other night with his four hits, actually has a Homer off Bassett. So he's my pick to click. <laughs> I say facetiously. Um, yeah. Samson <laughs> Degrom, Gram. who that's a Dottie Brook if there ever was one, but he keeps pitching well. And he pitched well against the Mets at Wrigley. So we'll see. Uh, DeGrom, yeah, he's pretty unhittable for the most part. Um, he gave up no runs uh, last time against Pittsburgh and struck out eight. Um, although, do you know who hits him? It's weird to see. Uh, Jan Gomes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe he'll start this one. Jason Hayward has the most at-bats against um, anybody with of anybody on the team against Degrom, and is batting three thirty three against him.
0: We'll bring back Jay Hay bring for just one Jay. game. Bring J- bring Jay Hay back for one game against Jacob Degrom, and let's see what happens.
1: And then we already talked about how Smiley's been doing awesome, and he's going to be in that third game. And I guess it's uh, did they announce the Mets starter?
0: You know what? I, I think don't have it, but be, let me see.
1: It would be David Peterson, maybe. I guess who um. Yeah, we uh we got one run on three hits, and uh, he only went five when he was out there. If he is indeed, it would be his turn. It is so, his turn. Yeah, so uh, he's a lefty as well. So which is good because we don't really have any lefty pop too much in our lineup. Maybe Fran Mill keep hitting him out, and it's still TBD. So we'll see if he even goes out there. But I mean, the Mets are there's they're they are an elite team in a in many respects they didn't make the moves that I thought people thought they'd make at the deadline specifically for like, I don't know, like Wilson Contreras to like upgrade there. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they only have six more home runs in the Cubs. They only have one more walk than the
0: Cubs. I mean, more you importantly, know, they- they're only a game and a half up on Atlanta. And I, I really think that Atlanta team is charging. Plus the Mets made a classic blunder. When they decided to be all like, oh no, William Contreras can't use narco because that's Edwin Diaz's walkout music and and Timmy Trumpet only wants Edwin Diaz to walk out to narco and all that nonsense, they lit a fire under the Braves. And frankly, under everyone who is not already a New York Mets fan, like I want narco on everything now. I, I'm glad Alabama is using it. I want it to be used in basketball when basketballs being played. I want it to be used in football. I will watch English premier league soccer. If they're going to play Narco just to annoy the Mets. I <laughs> want Narco everywhere. And I want William Contreras hitting dingers to Narco in the postseason. It's against amazing.
1: The Mets. It's amazing how they always shoot themselves in the foot in that way. Just by, because they, I mean, I lived in New York for uh, quite a long, long time, almost two decades. And like, you know, Yankees are the number one team there, but the Mets are basically – they act like Sox fans.
0: They do. They're like
1: the, – you. it's just rent-free all the time. Like, Yankees fans were like, we weren't thinking about you. We're like out here being the Yankees. We got 27 rigs. we all this thing, and the Mets are like, we're a team too. We're like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. We're not thinking about you. But, they, but the Mets are always just like little brother. Like, they took that from me. I thought of that first. It's like, it's like that person that, like, tries to convince you that they, like – you know, made up the diarrhea song in like in grade school. You're like, Oh, I sang that. I made that up. I'm like, everybody made that up. Everybody sings that song where they're freaking five. You didn't make it up. Like maybe that's a bad example. A little bit of a, I honestly have
0: no idea what song you're talking about, but honestly we don't need to do that to our listeners. No, we don't, no, we
1: don't need it. It A lot of people who are listening (laughs) know what I'm talking about, but it's just like, you know, they sing it in parenthood and there's variations around the country, but everybody sings it. And it's just one of those songs. And, but anyway, it's the same with like Narco. It's like, yeah, it's like, are you going to say, Oh, I, I'm going to enter from my wedding to eye of the tiger. You know, it's like, yeah. Cause everybody does that. Or they do like the bulls music, the bump, bum bump, bum you know, like it's just an entrance music. Like you don't get to own it. You're not Rocky. And if you, you know, Rocky's the only one that could say, it's like, Hey, it's kind of my song, <laughs> you know, like, but Edwin Diaz no. This song was already a theme song of a show. It already was a thing.
0: <laughs> it's it's already a thing that you're borrowing. Like, I, I mean, I suppose that if like Timmy Trumpet wants to go through all the trouble of like licensing it and like pulling it from everything else or whatever, like they can do that. Like that's, well, that's fine. Like go for it. Like, and get your song pulled from all of these sporting events, which, which seems like a bad idea for publicity. It also seems like it would be a huge pain in the butt for a musician. The only time. I've ever heard of musicians going through something like that is usually when like a politician or somebody they truly disagree with on like ethical grounds starts using their music. Like Neil Young did that with some stuff. I remember, um, Chrissy Hyde and the pretenders objected to Rush Limbaugh using their music as intro music and like that that seems reasonable and legit to me like you don't want to be affiliated with somebody who you totally disagree with on literally everything but this is just the Mets being the Mets man like prior to them doing this (laughs) my best friend in Boston and I because Boston is going nowhere this season too my best friend in Boston and I were trying to figure out what teams we were going to cheer for for the postseason, and the Mets were pretty high on the list. We were like, we have friends who are Mets fans. They feel very maligned. It'll be interesting to cheer for the Mets. And I can't do it now. Like after all the narco nonsense, I'm like, nope, they're out. They're totally out. I'll cheer for, I'll cheer for the Padres. I'll cheer for the Mariners. I'll, I'll pray that the Orioles get in. I'll cheer for the Blue Jays. I am out on the Mets. I cannot cheer for these. They're crybabies, man. Like I can't deal with it.
1: I'm telling you rent free, just little brother syndrome. It's so sad. Uh yeah, Baltimore it's it's tough. They've kind of fallen off a little bit here. I'm looking at it right now 5.5 out. That's going to be rough to get in. At this point, Toronto looks like they've just kind of got it locked up. They've gone 8 and 2 while Baltimore's gone 4 and 6. But kind of don't look now, I mean, and not that you can cheer for the White Sox, but um I believe that they're right kind of back in it ever since kind of, and we didn't talk about it, but like Tony La Russa with his health problems and everything um, it's very sad. You know, I hope he gets better, but I mean, a lot of Sox fans are saying it. They're playing better without him. So they
0: obviously are like, he, I, I'm sorry. Like I, 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 I hope he yeah. gets better and like rest up and everything. And you know, I, I don't wish bad health on anyone, but the white Sox are a better team without that man in the dugout. He should take a long sabbatical.
1: I mean, they've got a losing record at home. Two, they're two under at home, and five over on the road. Like, what's that about Chicago? <laughs> like, get your fan base together. If this was the Cubs, and you know, we'd be easily have already clinched the division. You know, oh. if we had a similar situation for Cubs, I mean, this is a talented freaking team and they're just like totally underperforming. I mean, that's what happens when you like start intentionally walking guys when you have two strikes on them.
0: Dude, I cannot. Tony Larusa, Hall of Fame baseball person. Uh, the, let's talk really quickly about hot hitters and get people out of here so that they can watch the Cubs hopefully rain on the Mets parade a little bit in New York City. Uh, the Mets have a lot of hot hitters. The Cubs do not. That is not news to anyone who has been watching this Cubs team t- play baseball recently. The Mets have so many hot hitters, I am not going to read all of the WRC Plus numbers. Just suffice to say that they range from like 170 down to like 111. And all of these guys are somewhere within that range. Jeff McNeil, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Hannah. Mark Hanna. Brandon Nimmo, Tyler Naquin, Francisco Lindor, Starling Marte, who I believe just landed on the injured list. So, you know, probably won't be doing much on here. Uh, Thomas Nito and our old friend, Daniel Vogelbach, all hitting well above league average. So, you know, don't pitch to anyone in the Mets lineup.
1: Yeah. I mean, their weakness, I would say maybe is their bullpen, which is just kind of average. They've got some arms back there, but overall, you know their starters are kind of where it's at it's been that way for a while so the, their bullpen hasn't taken a lot of innings cuz their starters go deep into games quite often so we'll see they took 3 or 4 of us at Wrigley um i feel like it could be a trap game for them and at least tonight go in there and uh maybe steal one
0: yeah, I'm here for that. Uh, if the Cubs are going to steal one, some of these guys are going to have to hit. The only Cubs hot hitters right now are Wilson Contreras, who still has WRC plus of 124 dating back to August 1st, although he's not in the lineup right now. Also on the injured list, Brad Mill Reyes is sitting at 118. Ian Happ is also at 118. And Nico Horner has snuck back into the WRC plus over 110 range. Can we get some more guys on this list? Because it's kind of bleak. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, they haven't been scoring all week. They scored against the one game against the Reds, which was the first game that was Nesky pitched. And then the rest of the week, they didn't really score that much. You know, they've scored uh, two runs on in two of these games and four in the win against the Giants. So, yeah, over three games, they only scored eight runs. It's not really knocking the cover off the ball there, you know. So yeah, well, at least, if, at least Suzuki's heating up a little bit, a couple home runs this week.
0: He is. I hope he stays hot. I really need him for my fantasy baseball season to come out Well, I traded for him in Tout Wars and, and I it's neck and neck in my Tout Wars league right now, Danny, and I really need Saya to step up. I could also use some more playing time from Christopher Morrell, but th- that's neither here nor there. Nobody cares about my fantasy team. What they do care about is the Chicago Cubs who will be facing off against the New York Mets tonight at City Field. Danny, if people are interested in your takes during this series, where can they find you?
1: Well, we're going to actually do a, I don't know where you're going to get this podcast, but we're going to do a little pregame show today. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, do those from time to time on Sun Ranta when the schedule allows for it. So we're going to get on the horn at five o'clock and my friend, Uncle Mike, is going to come on, I think, and uh, he's a big Mets fan. So if you want the skinny on what's going on with these Mets, come hang out with us and Uncle Mike. Um, yeah. So, so Sun Ranto at Sun Ranto on Twitter. So. Check check us out.
0: Sounds like a plan. I will check that out. You can also find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything about the podcast, including references to what we talk about on this show, at the podcast account at Cup of Cubby Blue. We are going to pray that the Cubs play spoilers here for the New York Mets, who have let the Braves get a little bit too close for comfort. And frankly, I'm I'm cheering for Wilson Wilson Contreras' little brother in the battle of William Contreras and Edwin Diaz and Narco. So I'm all in on Atlanta on that one. You can let us know who you're all in for on social media. We'll be back next time with a preview of the Cubs and the Rockies at Wrigley. Until then.